For parents, the worst nightmare is the thought of their children facing the dangers and evils of the world. This nightmare became a reality for the parents of Christine Silouan, who disappeared only to be found dead in a horrific state. The identity of the real perpetrator remains a subject of debate, even after the police apprehended a suspect. Today, let's delve into the case of Christine Silouan. As dawn touched the morning of March 11, 2019, people were beginning their day, each turning to their own tasks. A villager walking by the Sitio Maheyehe field caught sight of something out of place on the desolate stretch of land. Shocked by what he found, he urgently called for others to come. The scene that unfolded before them would haunt their memories indefinitely. A young girl, unclothed from the waist down, lay lifeless, her face brutally disfigured with her skull and eyes exposed. The discovery sent a wave of dread through the villagers as they connected the dots to the previous night's search for a neighbor's missing daughter. Was this the same girl, Christine Silouan, Mrs. Lorday's daughter who had not come home? When the police arrived, a crowd had already formed, each person vying for a glimpse of the tragic scene. The officers worked to disperse the onlookers, covering the remains with newspapers and a white banner to protect the girl's dignity from prying eyes. Amongst themselves, they couldn't help but align with the growing suspicion of the villagers. The clothing on the girl was just as Christine's mother had described. The police and a few villagers made their way to Mrs. Lorday's home, which was disturbingly close to where the body had been found. Upon arriving at the scene, Mrs. Lorday's was overtaken by grief. Amidst cries and wails, she recognized her daughter's mutilated body. Despite the disfigurement, a mother's heart knows her child, and she knew it was Christine. The horrific crime sent shockwaves through the Philippines. Who was Christine Silouan? How could such a young girl meet such a cruel fate? What led to this unspeakable act? And perhaps most crucially, people are still questioning whether the case is truly resolved, as the police have claimed. Christine Lee Silouan entered the world on March 26, 2002, in a bustling village of Lapu-Lapu City, Cebu. She was 16 years old by the time of the incident. The second of her siblings, she shared a special bond with her mother. Her older sister, significantly her senior, was a teacher, while her younger siblings were 13 and 14. A ninth grade student at Maribago National High School, Christine was known to be a kind and joyful spirit among her friends. Her mother, Lourdes, recalls that Christine aspired to be a flight attendant, often sharing her dreams with her younger siblings. Christine, a devout Catholic, never missed Sunday Mass at Sacred Heart Parish in Barangay Prajak at 4 p.m. She was an active member of the church, serving as a collector. Her mother, Lourdes, remembered that Christine would always rest alongside her before leaving for church. She never departed without informing her mother, and she always returned promptly after completing her church duties. On the evening of March 10, 2019, Christine readied herself for church, as she did every Sunday, bidding her mother farewell. 
Lourdes reminded her to come straight home after, expecting her back at 7 p.m. Christine agreed with her usual cheerful demeanor and left. However, as time ticked past the hour and there was still no sign of Christine, worry began to gnaw at Lourdes. It was uncharacteristic of her daughter to be late without notifying her. Lourdes' concern led her to the church, where she inquired about Christine's whereabouts. Christine's friend, Ryan, informed Lourdes that they had stepped out to buy balut from a nearby vendor, but had parted ways when he went back to use the church's restroom. By the time he returned, Christine was gone. The balut vendor had not noticed anything unusual or seen Christine after she left. Fear took hold of Mrs. Lourdes. With the help of several people, she searched for Christine and tried to reach her to no avail. As the night deepened and her daughter remained missing, a distraught Lourdes approached the police to report a teenager who was well-behaved and dependable missing. The police joined the search but decided to resume their efforts the following day. With a heavy heart, Mrs. Lourdes tried to soothe her anxiety, returning home with a fading hope that Christine might still return that night. Tragically, as we now know, that hope was shattered in the most heart-wrenching way. The gruesome discovery of Christine's body ignited widespread outrage, drawing international attention as well as local uproar. Her name became a symbol of the violence, so much so that searching for it was discouraged within the Philippines. The community took to the streets, holding banners aloft and organizing bike rides to protest the brutality of her death. With suspicions that Christine had been assaulted prior to her murder, there were vociferous calls for justice, and a reward of 2 million pesos was offered for solving the case and apprehending the culprit. A special task force was assembled specifically for the Siloan case, under intense pressure to act swiftly due to the public outcry. With the family's permission, an autopsy was promptly conducted, marking the first step in the investigation. The autopsy estimated Christine's time of death to be around 7 p.m. on March 10th, shortly after she had left Mass. She had been stabbed 27 times, nine of those wounds were on her arms, and one was on her neck. Signs of sexual assault were evident, given the presence of blood in her genital area. Even more harrowing was the fact that half of her face was scraped off to the bone, and parts of her upper organs, including her tongue, windpipe, parts of her neck, and right ear had been gruesomely removed. Some speculated that since her body had been abandoned in the field, it might have been scavenged by wild animals. However, this theory was met with skepticism, as the animals would unlikely confine their feeding to her face and neck without marking the rest of her body. This peculiar detail led some to believe that the murderer had deliberately mutilated the young girl's face, perhaps to hinder identification. In a chilling twist of fate, the police were already familiar with a man capable of such a gruesome act. Not long before, a local man named Jonas Martel Bueno had been convicted for murdering a farmer and desecrating the victim's face, presumably to conceal the victim's identity. Jonas found himself reeling in confusion when he was abruptly rearrested, having thought his days in custody were over. He was dumbfounded when accused of being involved in the death of a girl he claimed to have never seen, heard of, or met. 
After a thorough investigation, the police determined that Jonas was not their man and he was subsequently released. With their initial suspect exonerated, the police doubled down on their efforts to gather every shred of evidence that could illuminate Christine's final moments. Their break came with the discovery of CCTV footage that captured Christine walking with a male companion on the night she was believed to have been killed. The camera angle only captured their backs, leaving the male's identity obscured, and the police with a frustratingly incomplete picture. Despite the unknown identity of the male, the footage offered a critical clue. Christine was seen walking beside him, without any signs of distress or coercion, suggesting a comfortable familiarity between the two. This detail led investigators to theorize that the person with her was likely someone she trusted, yet someone who might also harbor the capacity for unspeakable malice. The police scoured Christine's social media for clues, particularly her Facebook Messenger, identifying two conversations that could lead them to the culprit. One was with an individual named C.J. Diaz, who appeared to be a new romantic interest, and the other was with John, her ex-boyfriend. The investigation began to zero in on John. The National Bureau of Investigation found that John and Christine had dated for nearly a year before she ended the relationship, just days before her murder. The NBI theorized that Christine might have initiated the breakup due to another person she was interested in, which in turn, they suspected, drove a heartbroken John to create the CJDS account as a ruse to meet and exact revenge on Christine. John's family was incensed by the NBI's bold but unfounded allegations. His mother decried the hasty suspicion cast upon her son, suggesting it was driven by the lure of the two million pesos reward. She detailed John's whereabouts on March 10th, tidying up the room in the morning, playing basketball with friends until late afternoon, and returning home just before 7 p.m. for dinner and sleep, a timeline corroborated by John's basketball companions. John's brother added his voice, noting he didn't know Christine well, but acknowledged the brief past relationship between her and John. He clarified that their relationship lasted only five days in June 2018, after which John moved on to someone else. Given John's history of short-term relationships, his brother found it highly unlikely that John would harbor a grudge strong enough to seek revenge so many months later. The timeline of the relationship presented by the police diverged from that given by John's brother. Despite this, the police persisted with their allegations, even suggesting that a piece of clothing similar to that seen in the CCTV footage and a cracked phone claimed to have been damaged during a struggle with Christine were evidence of John's guilt. At just 16, John was being seriously considered as the murderer, with public opinion swaying against him. Speculation grew to include John's friend as accomplices after Mayor Paz Razada stated that the crime was likely committed by more than one person. Nevertheless, doubts about John's guilt remained for many. Why would Christine walk so calmly with John if she realized she had been deceived by her ex-boyfriend? The strength of the evidence pointing to John was questioned, particularly by his legal representation, who argued against detention based solely on circumstantial evidence. 
In response, the NBI cited a confession obtained from John while in custody. Yet it was noted that this confession came before a lawyer was present, casting doubt on its legitimacy, especially given John's status as a minor and the potential for coercion by authorities. John remained the prime suspect in Christine Silouan's murder. The police conducted a discernment test to determine John's capacity to understand right from wrong due to his age. In a development that raised eyebrows, John passed the assessment administered by the Department of Social Welfare and Development 7, indicating that he had a sound sense of reality. The test results were used against the boy. The DSWD-7 concluded that if he was indeed Christine's killer, he was fully aware of his actions. The police regional office supported this claim, asserting that John was of sound mind when he allegedly lured, assaulted, stabbed, and mutilated Christine. Even before a defense team for John was assembled, three lawyers stepped forward to serve as prosecutors. He possessed the technical skills required, claimed the police regional office, as they sought to identify any accomplices among John's friends. We cannot dismiss the possibility of minors committing crimes as grave as those committed by adults. It's not reasonable to harbor suspicions about John. However, what merits attention here is that the investigators seem to make regular media statements proclaiming they had solved the case and apprehended the murderer, suggesting the case was close to closure. Yet, the arguments they provided were largely based on John's unsupervised confession, his relationship with the victim, and speculative scenarios. While 17-year-old John faced social and legal scrutiny, a new figure emerged, altering the course of the case. Renato Payupan Lenes, already under police watch for alleged possession of illegal firearms and drugs, was detained on April 9th on suspicion of carrying a 45 caliber gun. During his detention, he made a startling confession away from the public eye that took both the police and case followers by surprise. At a press conference on April 11th, the Philippine police chief presented this man to reporters. There, Renato plainly stated that he was the one who had killed Christine Silouan. Naturally, questions arose about his connection to the young girl, and Renato was ready to recount the entire story from the beginning. Renato, despite being 43 years old and a father of five, sought a relationship with a much younger girl. Recall the Facebook account of CJ Diaz mentioned earlier. Renato confessed that he used that account to pretend to be a 16-year-old boy in order to lure teenage girls. Christine Silouan, intrigued by their interactions, was one of those girls, and they began talking through Messenger in 2018. Believing he was a peer, Christine was eager to meet him, but Renato constantly made excuses to avoid meeting her. As the tragic day drew near, Renato contemplated finally meeting Christine. He convinced himself that since they had been chatting for some time, she wouldn't reject him. So he decided to meet her after her church service, boldly choosing to wait near her place of worship. When Christine realized that C.J. Diaz was in fact a middle-aged man, not the teenager she expected, she was understandably shocked. She immediately wanted to leave, but Renato was persistent, insisting on escorting her home. With no way to dissuade him, Christine reluctantly agreed to walk with him. 
During their walk, Renato suddenly asked Christine if she'd like to engage in intercourse with him. The disgust Christine felt was enough for her to sternly reject him and say she'd just call John to pick her up. The rejection and jealousy got to the old man's head, and he was seeing red when he dragged Christine to the empty field. He stabbed her with a scissor that he brought and disfigured her face with it. The reporters were puzzled and asked him why he had suddenly confessed. Renato replied that he felt sorry for John, who had wrongfully taken the blame and whose loved ones were being shunned by the public. He couldn't stand by and let the young boy be punished for a crime he didn't commit. He also mentioned that confessing was a way to ease his own conscience. Renato claimed he was the man in the footage, but a side-by-side -side comparison of the images clearly reveals differences in posture and appearance between the two men. Renato admitted to skinning Christine with scissors, yet forensic analysis suggested that an acid might have been used to disfigure the body. The autopsy indicated that Christine had been assaulted and her lower garments were missing. However, Renato asserted that he never assaulted Christine. If Christine was indeed dragged and stabbed in the field, why did no one hear anything? Satio Meheahe Field is very close to nearby houses. It wasn't very late at night, so how could Renato have dragged a struggling girl, stabbed her, and taken the time to mutilate her face without any witnesses or anyone hearing a thing? It's a perplexing scenario. Not long afterward, Renato entered a plea of not guilty, seemingly retracting his confession. The investigation came to a halt when Renato was found deceased in his cell on May 24, 2019. It was reported that he had received threats from Silouan's uncle, who was also an inmate in the same facility. Other prisoners reported that Renato appeared depressed before his death and had been fashioning a tie to use in taking his own life. The police have since declared the Christine Silouan case closed. The unresolved questions continue to disturb the public. Mrs. Lourdes still harbors the chilling suspicion that her daughter's murder is at large, living unpunished. One wonders whether the police did everything they could or whether they were too eager to close the case quickly. Christine Silouan's case deserves justice, but it seems to have been hastily concluded and all too soon forgotten. That's all for today. Thanks for watching.